Welcome to Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Your host, Jeanette Linfoot, talks to incredible people about their experiences and unleashing their full potential. From the boardroom tables of big international business to the dining room tables of entrepreneurial startups, embracing opportunities, overcoming challenges, taking risks, while staying true to yourself is where the magic happens. Morning everyone, Jeanette's here, hope you're well and you had a good night's rest. So here we are, this is the second of five videos that I'm doing um, and sessions I'm doing which will also appear on my podcast, Brave, Bold, Brilliant. And this is all about how I can help you during times of uncertainty and change that we're going through right now. So the first of the five that we went through yesterday was all about mindset and being clear on our purpose and vision and how important that is. So almost the internal you, if you like. And what I want to focus on today is more practical stuff about the external you and the image that you portray to the world. Um, You know, so what we're going to cover is going to be three things. First area, transferable skills. Second area, your CV and how to create a really impactful CV. The third area, your LinkedIn profile. Um, And actually, some of that could apply to any other social media profiles as well. But I've chosen LinkedIn because it does tend to be more business centric. So, um, you know, those are the three things we're going to cover. By the end of this session, you're going to be able to identify your transferable skills. You're going to be able to write from scratch or improve on an existing CV uh, that grabs attention and and puts you to the top of the pile because that's what we're really aiming for. And you're also going to be able to be more confidently present yourself to the external world with an inspiring profile on LinkedIn or whatever other social media channels you choose to perform. So, So why is it so important? Well, you know what? At any time, it's really key that you are presenting the best version of yourself to the world. Um, But in particular, during times of change, uncertainty, like we're facing right now, um, that can bring up challenges, but it can also bring up opportunities. So we want to make sure that each and every one of you is absolutely putting your best foot forward. So this Um, session is a practical one, um, but I'm hoping it's going to give you some great ideas and you're going to be able to go away and put this stuff immediately into action, which is my intention. Now, there's a great phrase and saying really, which is all around don't get ready, be ready. And that's what this is all about. You have to be able to be in a position to put yourself forward at any given moment. Um, So it's no good thinking, you know, that a great role comes up or an opportunity for uh, starting a new business or doing some charity work or whatever the opportunity may be. It's no good actually not being able to react straight away and have your CV there ready and to have your LinkedIn profile really attracting those opportunities. So this is all about being ready, not getting ready. Um, So put yourself into the line of opportunity is what I would say to you. And let's take action. So that's what it's all about. Right. Let's get into it then. 
The first area I'm going to talk about are, is transferable skills. Now, for all of this, there's quite a lot of detail in here. So you might want to grab a pen and paper, take some notes. Um, obviously, you're going to be able to watch this video back. You're going to be able to listen to this on my podcast as well. So don't worry too much, but I would definitely recommend you take some notes on this, this section in particular that we're going to talk about now, which is all the how do we do it? How do we um, ensure we know what our transferable skills are. How can we create a really compelling CV? And how can we make sure we're putting our best foot forward out there on LinkedIn and all social media channels? And there's a lot of information. So get ready. I hope it's going to be useful. So the first area we're going to cover then in, in this practical space, transferable skills. Now, the reality is that every single person has transferable skills. Now, sometimes you might not think your skills are transferable. And that can be times, can't they, that where the old imposter syndrome kicks in or the gremlin tells us, oh, we don't have the right uh, capability for a certain position or role. And the reality is that's not true. So the first thing is you have to absolutely believe and set your mind to the fact that you have a lot of skills to offer to the world. Now, that doesn't matter what stage you're at of your career or business life or even your personal life, you know. So whether you're younger, older, it doesn't matter. You all have skills that have been learned and worked upon over the years. So that's the first thing. I can 100% guarantee you that. So I'm going to take you through four steps that I think are quite useful to help you identify your transferable skills. Now, this could be useful if you are thinking of changing role, if you're facing a situation where maybe maybe you're in a redundancy situation or a furlough scenario right now, which is really quite difficult. I appreciate that. Um, it's really important to understand what your transferable skills are. Or you might have always had a dream to start a business or do something new or, you know, and so what have you already got in your toolbox that's going to be useful for whatever that next venture is for you? So that's what we're trying to get down to here. So as I say, it doesn't matter whether you're at a, a, an earlier stage of your career in business life or at a more senior stage. Everyone has transferable skills. So the first thing to do is uh, literally take a blank sheet of paper and just write down all the skills and experiences that you have and just keep writing until you have literally exhausted every idea. Just keep going until literally there's nothing left. And I bet you'll find, you'll surprise yourself because there's going to be shed loads on that piece of paper. Um, and then the second stage is I would speak to some trusted people in your network. Now, this could be people, it might be um, a prior boss, it might be a colleague, um, it might even be a trusted client, actually. But I would definitely go out there and ask for some feedback on what other people think your skills are. And here you might actually be a bit surprised because what you think are your key skill areas might be quite different to how other people perceive you. You know, sometimes we can be quite hard on ourselves um, and we don't always give ourselves the proper credit for what we've achieved, uh, the skills and knowledge and experience that we've got. And sometimes it takes other people to point out to us that we're great at something. So it could be, oh, you know, yeah, you're fantastic with people or you're a brilliant negotiator. And you might think, gosh, I, I never realized that about myself. So second stage is go and ask people that you trust for some feedback on what they think your skills are. 
And then take a good long list, a good look at that long list that you've got, which is a combination of the things you wrote down and the feedback you've had from a selection of people that you trust. Um, and, and then really what you're able to do is to start to group those sort of skills together into categories, if you like. Um, and what you'll find, you know, there will be some skills which are more technical, shall we say. You know, it could be accounting, marketing, social media, operations. You know, you could be an engineering, architect, whatever it might be, some more technical skills. And then there'll be a whole bunch of what I would call softer skills. And those softer skills um, can be applied to any business, any sector, any market. So that could be communication skills, presentation skills, negotiation, public speaking, um, building high-performing teams. You know, really, you could have a really long list. So look at the, the all of the things you've written down, the feedback you've had from those people and kind of group them into, into common areas. And that's going to really help you actually realise, one, how bloody great you are, which you must tell yourself every day how great you are. Um, but also it's going to help you identify any potential gaps that you might have. Um, and, you know, I touched on, on this a little bit in the past around it's really important to invest in yourself, in your education. Uh, so if there are some gaps there, there might be some technical gaps that mean you need to maybe get a, sp a specific qualification. Uh, there might be just some areas that you feel you want to strengthen. Um, so it could be about confidence, for example. So there's lots of great books you could read on mindset and building confidence. So have a look and see what those gaps are, because that will also help you with identifying where you want to focus your time on your personal development stuff. Okay, so that's the transferable skills section. Um, so I'm just going to quickly recap on that so you've got it. So four stages to identifying your transferable skills. One, take a blank sheet of paper and brainstorm all of the skills and experience that you uh, think you have yourself. Two, reach out to some trusted people in your network and ask them for feedback on what they think your skills are. Three, have a look at the list and group them into key areas. They could be functional um, skills or they could be softer skills. And then identify any gaps that you might have, which will help you with your personal development and where you might want to gen up in certain areas or get a professional qualification if you think that's what's needed. So that's the transferable skills section. All right. So I'll slightly pause for breath. Um, now, the second section we're going to talk about is your CV. Now, the sole purpose of a CV is to get you in the door. It's a foot in the door and it's to get you to the top of the pile. OK, that is what a CV does um, or should do. Now, very often what I see with people and, you know, with my mentee clients, with people that I've had on my team or that I've done business with over the years, very often people don't have an up to date CV. They will tend to dust it off when maybe there's a specific job they're going to apply for or there's an opportunity that comes up. But to be honest, that is not in my opinion, the best way to do it. This should be a living, live, breathing document that you always have up to date. And the reason for that is one, as I said, you never know when opportunities might come knocking and you need to know you have got your CV there ready straight away. Even while you're on the phone to someone, you can say, oh, shall I just ping you over my CV whilst we're speaking? Good example, right? You've got to be able to move fast when opportunities are there. So having your CV live and ready is so important. Don't see it as a one-off exercise. 
And um, the other thing as well, which is a practical point, is I don't know if if you feel like this, but certainly I can remember many times during my career and business life where you f- you kind of forget what you've done sometimes, you know, and, and you certainly forget a lot of the detail around the numbers and the performance and the impact that you had. So you know, if you're trying to remember back to five years ago what you achieved in a particular role, I mean. Almost impossible to remember the detail of what you did. Um, you might have some of the highlights. So that's another reason for keeping it very much live. Um, so that you've got that record of all of those key achievements and the, and the numbers to back it up. So what I'm going to just take you through now are, are my top 10 tips for a great CV. It's my opinion. Um, but I have seen thousands of CVs over the years. <laughs> I've recruited hundreds of roles. Um, so, you know, I'm looking at it from a user point of view, someone on the receiving end of a CV um, and the things that I think are important to create standout, create attention and impact, which is what we're really talking about with a CV. Remember, it's to get you a foot in the door so you can get in front of the right people. That's all it is. So the first point of my top 10, you might want to write these down. The first one is your CV needs to grab attention straight away. Um, so it's really important. And I would almost say, you know, if you've not grabbed attention on the first page or even more important than that, your opening statement on your CV, you know, you can, you can forget it really. You've got to remember that sometimes there are hundreds of CVs and applications for roles or that are being pitched to, you know, business ventures, for example. A CV is not just when you're applying for a role. It can be used for a whole host of opportunities. So, You've got to stand out. You've got to grab attention and you have got to make that reader want to read on. Um, So that opening statement, so important. Um, Remember, as a general rule, less is more. Now, what I mean by this is you want punchy statements that clearly state your achievement, what you've done, what your responsibilities have been. You do not need an essay. This should not be a document that goes on and on and on. And like, you know, why use a hundred words when you can use 10? It needs to be short, sharp, punchy, hit people between the eyes with what you've done. So less is more. General rule of thumb as well, no more than two pages to a CV. As I say, the first page is the most important because that's the that's where people will focus and that's the first thing they see. Um, but you do not, I mean, I've had CVs that have come to me that have been four or five pages. I mean, who's going to sit there when you've got hundreds of CVs and read four or five pages? You're just not going to. It's not going to happen. So you remember, two pages for your CV only by exception should it go on to three pages. And that might be because you've got a whole bunch of other stuff that you do outside of work or you've had a very long career. And what you tend to find is as you mature and as your CV gets updated on a regular basis, the roles which you had in the, you know, when your early career, you'll, you'll probably get to a point where you just almost list what they are. Um, because you won't have the space. Otherwise, you'll have pages and pages. And no one, quite frankly, no one's interested in that. They just want to be able to see who is this person? What have you done? Why are you so great for the role or for the opportunity? Two pages, please. Less is more. 
So now point four, I'm going to take you through the structure of a, of a CV. Now there are differences to this, the different layouts. So I'm not going to get into all of that side of things, but this is just the core aspects that should be included on every CV. And then you might have some differences and extras. Also, what I would say, depending on your sector, there might be certain things which are really important um, for you. So I'll give you a good example, actually. I interviewed an amazing um, lady, uh, Professor Barb Brent, on my podcast, Brave, Bold, Brilliant, um, quite a few weeks ago. And because in academia, what's really important there is um, the research paper and where she's been published and the books and the speaking engagements. So a CV in that environment um, goes to many pages um, for the purpose of what she was using it for. So that is one exception. Um, But generally, two pages, short, sharp, punchy. Um, But as I say, you know, there are exceptions, there are differences. This is my perspective on what a good structure of a CV um, should look like. So included in there, top of the first page, your name, uh, your phone number and your email, right at the top in the middle, opening statement. And I'll go through these in a bit more detail. An opening statement, which literally is a snapshot that describes what you're all about. Okay, it shouldn't be too wordy. It should mean three, maybe four lines maximum, I would say. Then you get into the meat of your CV. And this is where the bulk of um, where your content will be. So these are the positions that you have held, the company name, your job title and the dates that you were in that role. Within that, for each position that you have, Um, You'd have an overview of your responsibilities for your role and then your key achievements in bullet form. Okay, so that's going to be, you know, probably a good page, page and a half of of your CV um, is all of the positions that you've had. You then want a section on qualifications. Um, You might have other positions. um, So things like if you have awards or certification that's outside of the normal qualifications, um, you might do some pro bono work, some charity work. So you'd want to you might have a section on pro bono. I have a pro bono section on my CV. And then a personal statement. Now, again, not everyone um, has a personal statement, but I think it's quite a nice way to be able to to sort of bring yourself to life in a little bit more of a real way rather than just almost what you've done. Um, So let me go on to point five. So that's the structure, okay, of your CV. As I say, there will be some exceptions, but that should give you an idea. You need all of them. So your opening paragraph then, let's come back to that. That needs to be really impactful. It's got to hit the reader between the eyes and make them want to hear more about you. That's what you're really aiming for. And, you know, use keywords that resonate and and are important in your sector or business area in that opening statement. So, you know, if having full profit and loss um, accountability is important, mention you know, CEO with full PL accountability in that in that statement. If having worked internationally is important, then obviously you would want that in there. You know, so it depends what your what your situation is. If customer service is absolutely at the heart of what you do, you'd want the words customer service in there. So just to give you an idea, but it needs to be a short, snappy, no more than four lines, three to four lines. Okay. 
Now, I'm getting onto the meat of now your the actual positions that you've held. Now, you're going to include the name of the company, uh, the position that you held, and also the period that you were in that position. That's clear. But one thing which a lot of people don't include, which I think is important, is a bit of a blurb on the company. Now, I'm talking no more than two lines in. It might be in a slightly smaller font how you do it. But do not assume that the reader knows the organisations you've worked in. Now, in some cases, you might have worked for some really well-known brands, you know, um, in the retail space or in the services sector, whatever. In those situations, people might know a little bit about the company, but there are a lot of scenarios where people will not know the the company. So don't assume that they do. So in here, you want to just include a little bit of, as I say, a couple of lines that just says, you know, blah, 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 company X, um, servicing X number of customers across 150 countries globally, generating revenue of X, profits of Y, just so that you're demonstrating the scale and size of the business. Or it might be, it's not all about size either. It could be that it's an entrepreneurial startup and that's what's important. So a dis- short description of the company. So that's point number six. Number seven, achievements. Your achievements, you're going to have a a blurb about what your responsibilities were that describes what you did in your role. Again, very short and snappy. Um, But when we get down to the achievements, which need to be in bullet points, this is really important. This is where you demonstrate what value you added in that role. And, you know, very often, again, you know, people will put things down which are a bit fluffy and a a bit woolly. Try to avoid doing that. Be very clear on what you achieved. And it's very important here to include metrics and the, so that people can see the impact you had. So for example, you might have something in there that says, um, increased revenue from X to Y. Uh, led a team of 400 people or 10 people, um, with an overhead budget of X, um, increased uh, conversion from in the call center, for example, from 20% to 25% over a two-year period. Um, Implemented strategic plan to deliver five-year growth of X. Entered a new market, uh, started a new business. So you get the general gist. So here it needs to be, ideally, those bullets should just be one line Uh, with numbers to back it up because that hits you in the face immediately. You go, bloody hell, this person's really made an impact on on that business in, in the role that they've had. So I cannot emphasize enough. I see one of the common things I see a lot with CVs is a lack of evidence of performance. So this is your opportunity to shine. So I would encourage you all to look at your CV and see, you know, have you got metrics in there that demonstrates the value you added? Um, now, some of this will be, might be confidential, uh, but remember, a CV is, is normally not something that you're putting out publicly to the world, although we're going to talk about LinkedIn in a little while. So, but you know, those numbers <clears throat> you need to be confident with. And also, you will forget that kind of stuff, which is another reason to keep this live and, and, and a living, breathing document. Okay, number eight, I'm going to go on to your 
uh, personal statement. Now, this is not essential, but it is an opportunity to show more of your human side. So, you know, your CV so far has been very professional, hasn't it? You know, you've you've emphasised what you're all about as an overall person, uh, you know, professionally in your opening statement. You've gone through the roles, your achievements, the financials, the, the impact you've had on the business, your qualifications. It's all very factual. Um, but your personal statement allows you to sort of show your personality a little bit more. You know, so if you're passionate about something, about a certain cause, so you might be passionate about diversity and inclusion or helping young people achieve their potential or turning around businesses or developing people. So whatever, you know, whatever kind of gets you, gets you going, you could include some aspects of, you know, hobbies as well in here. You might be um, a fantastic athlete, um, something like that. So you've got an opportunity to bring this out. A lot of people don't have a personal statement. You don't have to, um, but it's just a, a chance for you to show a slightly more rounded perspective of you as a, as a person, as a human, rather than just the, the um, professional side. Um, it's optional, point number nine, it's optional to include things like hobbies and um, and a skill summary. So, you know, there's no right or wrong with this. I don't include anything about my hobbies on my CV, mainly because I've run out of space. Because um, <laughs> as you get a little bit more um, older, shall we say, you end up having more positions that you need to include on there. So something has to give, right? So in my case, I don't have anything that talks about my hobbies, but there's no right or wrong. If you're... Um, it'll also, if you're early, it's sort of earlier in the stage of your career and, and life cycle, you might have hobbies in there because in particular, that can also demonstrate a way of having responsibility. So you might have been, I don't know, a member of um, a sports club or um, chair of the athletics committee or whatever it might be. Um, so it's also a way to show not only what you're interested in outside of work, but also um, a level of responsibility or achievement within that and dedication. That's what people are looking for. Um, when it comes to um, a section that summarises your key skills, I see some CVs that sometimes on the first page they'll have a section that has, that has key skills. That's okay as well, you know, and um, that can be a great way to summarise almost all of the common themes that you've had in the different positions. That's fine to include. Uh, it's really down to space and personal preference. So that's an optional extra, I would say. Um, and then the final point I'm going to share with you, point number 10, never lie on your CV. Okay, now we want to present the best version of ourselves to the world. Of course we do. And the choice of words and language allow you to do that, but never blatantly lie on your CV. One, because it's quite hard to remember what you've lied about. Two, when you're actually in an interview or having a meeting and you get questioned, you could get questioned about anything on your CV, anything. And if it's not the truth, you're going to struggle to, most people would struggle to portray that. So it's, it's, it's not the right thing to do. It's highly stressful. <laughs> um, just don't do it. <laughs> You've got lots of other great things that you can shout about without needing to lie about a scenario. If you've got gaps on CVs, actually, as well, because sometimes people take time off or you might you might have been out of work for quite a while or, you know, you might have gone traveling or you might have had some personal issues that had to be dealt with. Um, again, I would just just speak about those quite openly, um, not necessarily listed on your CV. But if you, if you get asked about, well, hang on a minute, what happened between, you know, I don't know, 
2016 and 2017, you didn't seem to be working. You say, oh, no, actually, I wasn't because I was doing X or, you know, it might have been a health issue in the family. So things things happen, don't they? It means that we don't always have the perfect, perfect kind of, you know, CV, but do the best you can and, and just be open and honest. Be yourself. Let your personality shine through. So those are my top 10 tips for your CV. Um, So I'm just going to quickly recap. Number one, CV needs to grab attention straight away. Number two, remember, less is more. Punchy statements backed up with numbers. Number three, rule of two pages max. Three, if you absolutely have to and you've got loads to say. Number four, I went through the structure of your CV. Name, phone number, email, opening statement, positions you've held, overview of your responsibilities in each role, key achievements in bullet form and back it up with evidence, qualifications, other positions, award stroke pro bono and a personal statement. So that's the structure of your CV. Number five, make your opening paragraph really impactful. You want the reader to be grabbed by it and want to learn more about you. Number six, include a blurb on the various companies that you've worked for, no more than one or two lines that shows the what the business is all about. Don't assume people know because they may not have heard of those businesses. Your achievements are critical. Make sure they are impactful, backed up with evidence, numbers where possible, um, but it shows the impact you've had on the business. Number eight, personal statement, not essential, but allows your personality and the broader you to come through. Optional extras to include hobbies and a section that summarizes your skills. And number 10, never, ever lie on your CV because you will probably get found out. And if you don't get found out, you'll probably feel quite uncomfortable anyway. So that is the second part of what we're going to talk about. Number three, I'm going to go on to LinkedIn now. Um, so there's a lot, I appreciate there's a lot of information I'm sharing with you through these three sections, but I just wanted to make sure that I'm giving you as much value as possible because you are all amazing and we've just got to make sure that you are presenting the best version of yourself to the world. Okay. So that's what it's all about. So I'm crammed in quite a lot of content into this section, into this, this session. So LinkedIn profile. This could also apply to your other social media. Um, platforms that you're on. I am not an expert on social media. You know, I, I do my thing. I'm I'm relatively new to social media myself. I only really started actively engaging with social media, uh, I would say this year in particular. I've always been on LinkedIn from a professional point of view, and I've always used that platform when I was in the corporate world. Um, but, you know, certainly I'm just learning from my own experience. So what I'm going to share with you now is my perspective I'm not an expert, but these are some things that have worked for me that I think might be useful for you as well. So again, um, top 10 things that I think you could consider doing on LinkedIn. There's loads more, but this this will give you a bit of a flavor. So again, right. So LinkedIn, it, it is a professional forum and it's it can be really powerful. It allows you to present the professional you, the business you to the world um, and for you to network really effectively. It's such a powerful tool tool. 
Um, so, you know, when it comes down to, to LinkedIn, your profile, make sure that you're including the key elements from your CV. You know, it shouldn't be something totally different from what you've got on your CV. But what you might um, end up doing is you're not including all of the detail. You know, we mentioned that when it comes down to some of those achievements and the numbers that you're including, some of those are, are probably going to be sensitive and you're not going to want them out there in public. It's something you would discuss on a one to one basis with a particular opportunity you're going for. But nonetheless, LinkedIn should almost be like a subset of your CV, really. Um, so include all of the all of the key things and pull out the highlights. Uh, the second point, um, similarly to your CV, your profile needs to stand out. You want people to, you know, think, gosh, so-and-so, this is a great person who seems to have a lot of interesting um, experience that they've got. So you want your headline to be eye-catching with words that clearly describe what you are. Um, some people use emojis here to grab attention as well. Um, I don't personally, but again, you know, you tend to find if someone comments on a post on LinkedIn and they've got, I don't know, some emojis in their title, it does definitely stand out visually uh, more. That's a, that's a personal choice, but that's something that you can do. Um, LinkedIn works a little bit like Google um, in, the t- in the respect of search engine optimization. So keywords are really important. So if someone puts a search into LinkedIn for maybe they there's a lot of recruitment that goes on on LinkedIn as well and it's a lot where headhunters and researchers will actually search for candidates so you want to make sure your profile is popping up when they put in keywords so think about your in your industry or in your profession or in your business what are the keywords that would likely be put in um, and you need to include those in your profile um, number four, make sure you fill out all the fields. This sounds a bit obvious, but you know, there's positions, education, awards, certificates, make it as rich as possible. As I say, you might not put all of the details from your CV on the numbers with particular, which are a bit more sensitive, but make sure you have populated every single uh, part of your profile. Obviously, you want a great photo in there as well, professional looking, um, that kind of goes without saying. So that's all around sort of the profile bit, really. Um, endorsements, point number four, endorsements and people are great, you know, so you can get as many of those as you can. Now, an endorsement, you know, people will endorse you and it's quite easy to endorse people. They literally just click on, um, you know, a selection of skills. So it's like a two second job. Uh, so that's, that's great. You want some, you want those. But what I think are, is more powerful are recommendations. Um, they really show, it's like having a testimony. It's a testimonial, basically. So where you've got recommendations, anyone looking at your profile on LinkedIn can see what people have said about you. So it could be, oh, you know, John was a great guy, um, really helped us with a specific project and delivered X value to the bottom line. Or if you're thinking of having Chris as a mentor, he's fantastic. He really turned around my life and helped me start a new business. You know, so there's all, they can write anything, but you need to, sometimes people will offer those up, but it does take time because someone has to physically write that. So it's much more meaningful to have those testimonials and those recommend, I think it's classed as recommendation on LinkedIn. Um, so if you haven't got any, don't worry. It's never too late to start. Um, what I would suggest is that you just think about people in your network that you can send a request for a recommendation um, and it allows you to put 
a personalised little little message to them. So, you know, it'd be great if you wouldn't mind recommending me. Um, and on there, what it allows them to then do is they say that what position were they in when they knew you? Were they your boss, a peer? Did they, did they work for you? Um, and then they can write um, a, a nice uh, recommendation for you. So seek them out. You want to aim to have 20 minimum there. And it definitely makes a difference. People buy people. People do business with people that they like and they trust. So, you know, this is a great way to get people um, behind you, showcasing how you've helped them. Uh, as I say, I would think about, you know, your boss, bosses, uh, current boss, previous bosses, colleagues, team members, suppliers, customers, um, all manner of people that you've engaged with in a positive way. Uh, so that is really powerful. Make sure you do that. And I would say, you know, be raise your profile, um, be active on LinkedIn, you know, post and comment regularly. Uh, in particular, if there's stuff, you know, people in your network that are posting things, you know, put a little like, put a comment, maybe share a post. Um, all of that is raising your profile and the algorithms see that you're active and basically it allows that to, to get to get more reach to people. So that's what you're aiming to do. Have a great profile in the first place, but then be active. Um, be consistent, point number eight. So even if you only put out one post a week, for example, that's absolutely fine, but make sure you're consistently doing that. If you're posting maybe on, um, on a regular basis, say once a day, make sure you do once a day. So much better to do less but be consistent and to have a big spurt of activity and then nothing because you just drop off the radar. You want people to be aware of what you're doing. Um, you know, and what I would say was when people comment back, if you put a post out there and people comment on it, make sure you comment on their comment straight away. Two reasons. One, you're showing respect to that person and thanking them or, you know, engaging in a conversation. Two, the algorithms on LinkedIn really like it because what they do, they go, oh, hang on a minute. This is interesting content. There's a conversation going on here. So it, it rewards and recognizes that to raise, raise the awareness and, and get more reach for your posts. So, I'm no technical expert, but I believe that that's what goes on in the background, the black magic. Um, and be clear on how you want to position yourself, you know, um, and post content that establishes you as an authority in that area. You know, it could be that you're a property investor, you're a mentor, you're a business leader, you're a campaigner. You know, what do you want to be known for? Because really, you've got an opportunity to position yourself as the authority and the go-to person, either in your sector or, you know, on a particular topic. So, you know, think about that. Now, LinkedIn is great because you can do written posts, you can do posts with pictures, you can link stuff in there, um, and you can do video. You, you can do live video, but only a limited number of people have access to that. So your average person uh, wouldn't necessarily have access to being able to do a live um, Facebook or LinkedIn video like, like this one, for example. So, But that doesn't mean to say you can't put video content in there. So mix it up a little bit, you know, and, and trial and see what works for you. So, you know, some people people can be a bit nervous on posting themselves. So all I would say is get going and comment on other people and start that way. And then as you gain confidence, if you're interested in something as well, you'll come across much more authentically. So just give it a go. It's a fantastic tool. 
Um, I, people always will will often look for you on LinkedIn. Um, it's almost an endorsement of your professionalism. It's a chance for you to shine. Uh, it's used by headhunters, researchers, people looking for business partners, investors, you name it. It really is quite powerful. Um, so, so actively spread your network out there, connect with people, post regularly, check out your profile, make sure it's as impactful and interesting as possible. You've got everything on there that you should have. Um, and yeah, and just give it a go. So that's all I was going to cover. Um, you know, so what, uh, as I say, I hope this has been useful. We've covered a huge amount of ground. We've talked about transferable skills. We've gone through the top 10 tips as to how you can um, create a really impactful CV and be top of the pile, get your foot in the door. And we've gone through some things that you can do on LinkedIn to make sure that you're putting your, you know, the best version of yourself out there to the world. And some of that can be applied to other media, social media channels as well. So I'm I'm just going to leave you with three uh, things to think about. One, don't get ready, be ready. Number two, put yourself in the way of opportunity as much as you can, especially during times like this, because you never know where that might lead. And finally, remember that you are brave, bold and brilliant. So absolutely go out there, be confident, present the best version of yourself to the world because you are all fantastic. So I hope this is useful. Um, so check in tomorrow and we're going to talk about networking tomorrow. Um, so we're going to build on the content that we've covered so far, um, but focused on networking. So please, if any, if you, this is useful, it'd be great for you to, to leave a comment, uh, to like and to share it as well. If there are people in your network that you think would benefit from, from some of this stuff, please do share it. I will be putting this on my podcast as well, Brave Bold Brilliant. Um, over the course of the next few weeks. So you'll be able to listen back to it there. Um, And I will also try and share some of this content on my LinkedIn and my Instagram as well. So lots of opportunities for you to listen back and for you to share it with friends, colleagues, people that you think would benefit from this. So thank you for taking the time again today to tune in. It's lovely to see you all. And I look forward to going through the next um, episode, which is all going to be about networking. So take care. Remember, be brave, be bold, be brilliant. Bye now.